0: Living God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. That which is your gift of calling us to yourself, that which we do not deserve, nor could we earn, yet you give it freely, because that is who you are. You're a goodness-giving God, a grace-filled God, a mercy-showering God. And it is because of that that we all gather here, not because we are so good or so wonderful, but because you are wonderful. Help tune our ear this morning and condition our heart to hear you today. Holy Spirit, be our teacher and our guide. Lord Jesus, be edified, glorified this day. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity together to... Be here with you now, in Jesus' name, we pray together. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. There was uh, once a young lady in a war-torn, devastated area of uh, Eastern Europe. And she lived in a small village. She had lost one of her parents. Her family was rather destitute. In fact, the whole village had been so deeply impacted by the uh, stain of war... That uh, she would go to school faithfully. Some children didn't even make it to school any longer, but she faithfully returned to school each day. And in the classroom, there's very little by way of equipment or supplies. In fact, there's only one pencil in the entire classroom, and it belonged to this girl. And it had been used and resharpened and used and resharpened again over and over, that at this point, it was just this little nub. And in the midst of the classroom teaching experience each day, she would use the pencil and then she would pass it around to each student. And so the whole learning process was very slow indeed. Well, unbeknownst to her, somewhere in North America, because of the ministry of Operation Christmas Child, someone was praying about and thinking how they might pack a shoebox to be sent somewhere in the world Uh, trusting that God would take that and place it into the the lap and into the hands of a a needy child. And so part of what this person put in there was not just a pencil, but a package of pencils. And as that ministry unfolded, uh, this young girl when the the missionaries on the other end and the pastors uh, went to her village and into her neighborhood and they began to distribute the boxes. This box with these pencils inside landed in her lap. And she was overwhelmed because that was one of her greatest prayers that God would provide for her educational needs, not just for her, but for the entire class as well. Well, not only did she take those pencils and she didn't put them on a shelf or stuff them in her desk so that she would be sure that she had enough. She took, and you can already guess what she did with the pencils, she she took one out for herself and she passed the entire package around so that every student in the class now had their own pencil for use in the class. What a wonderful reality of receiving a gift, but not just holding on to it for her own benefit or out of even her own deep and felt need. But she took that gift that she had been given and she gleefully distributed it out. She, she shared the abundance that she had out with her classmates. And that really is exactly what God is intending for you and I in this church when we think about spiritual giftedness is that God has taken, for any person who has made a profession of faith, they've understood the, the work of Jesus on the cross, the forgiveness of sin, the new relationship that He invites you into, you've received the, the forgiveness of His sin into your life, then God says that He provides gifts to you so that through you His church might be blessed, it might be strengthened, it might become all that it was intended to be. Here's the thing, is that common people like you and like me receive gifts from God's Spirit for the common good. Common people receive spiritual gifts for the common good. We are diversified, but at the same time unified, one in spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, as Paul would write To the Ephesian Church, we're going to be looking this morning in First Corinthians chapter twelve. If you have your Bibles, please open them there. First Corinthians chapter twelve. In the church in the city of Corinth, they were a spirit-filled church, but they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of issues in their relationships toward one another. They had a lot of problems in learning how to live out their faith and to apply the presence of Jesus into the the daily realities of their living. They had, in their pre-Christian lives, been exposed to some spiritual realities, and they were attempting to bring some of that background into the church in an unchristian way, rather than allowing the, the presence of Jesus forming their spirit to then create worship experience for them together. In the presence of God, they were seeking to take the, the gifts of God's Spirit and at times to elevate certain people over others. To say there are certain gifts in the church that are more important than if you have particular gifts, then uh, God must love you more or you have a greater influence, a greater impact, and you're more valued and we will esteem you more highly because of certain characteristics that you have. And Paul, the Apostle Paul is addressing that particular Reality in this church. We're going to begin reading in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit... And He gives them to each one just as He determines. What a great section of God's Word. If you want to go on and continue to read later this week, please do so. Read chapter 13 and the great chapter on love. It very well may be something read at Chris and Nikki's wedding. It's often read at weddings and for good reason. But the context of that chapter is dealt not just in the wedding, but it's set right in the center of church life Together. And then read chapter 14 as well. God has given gifts for the common good. The body is made up as a unit of many parts, common people receiving God's good gifts for the common good. It's a diversified community, okay? What that means is that we are different. Sameness is not the goal in the church, sameness is not the goal for God's church. Can you imagine a carpenter who went to work in remodeling a house and he put on his tool belt and all he had were 16 hammers on his tool belt? Ah. Be very good for certain applications, right? But if he needed to cut wood, where would the cutting instruments be? If he needed to drive a screw, where would the screwdrivers be or the power drills? You see the point. If, If it's all sameness then his tools are limited and what he can do, is effectiveness, is diminished. Imagine going to the doctor and in that doctor's office, all she has are tongue depressors. <laughs> How would you measure blood pressure or look into an ear or hear a heart beating or even go and get an x-ray of a lung? You couldn't if all the tools were the same. In uh, Mill Valley Middle School this uh, past year, they have a cabaret every year, and uh, this past year it was The uh, Sound of Music, one of my favorite musicals, and I want you to think with me what The Sound of Music might be if there were only one song sung throughout The Sound of Music, instead of the great variety and arrangement of those songs. Imagine that if you love the movie like I do, you, you know the great sweeping views over the hills, the Austrian hills, and... You finally see Maria spinning there in that big green pasture with the mountains around her. And imagine, instead of hearing, the hills are alive, instead of that you'd hear, Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Edelweiss Edelweiss is probably my favorite song from the movie. But it's partly because of the emotional impact of the story from which it comes. and nationalistic pride of an Austrian uh, standing up against the, the Nazis' invasion of his country. And it's perfect for that moment. But it would completely change the story if you had Edelweiss at the opening of it. Or consider the nuns when they're wondering, what are we to do with this young lady named Maria? And instead of the lilting fun melody of um, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Instead of that it was Edelweiss, little right? Or imagine when Maria now has the Von Trapp children around her and she's beginning to teach them about music and teaching them music scales and instead of do, a deer, a female deer, it was little Vice. It would change everything, wouldn't it? Part of the beauty of a musical like that and others is the great variety of music and how it all blends together and weaves together. The songs are diverse in what they are, but collectively and with the story together, they weave, they're woven together in a beautiful story. And that is just what God's church is intended to be. Each believer, each one, it says in verse 12, uh, verse 7, Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God has given you, believer in Jesus, a song to sing in His church. He has given you a role to play. Each believer has a place. Common people receiving gifts from God's Spirit for the common good. Some gifts may be less visible, but it doesn't mean that they're less valuable. Some gifts may be more prominent, and you're in front of people more regularly, but it doesn't mean that other gifts are less important. If you want to go back, we don't have time to dissect all of the various gifts listed here, but if you're interested in learning more and having a refresher, you might want to note on your blue sheet there, uh, this chapter, 1 Corinthians 12. You might want to go and read Romans chapter 12 or Ephesians chapter uh, 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. If you're interested in being reminded of where these spiritual gift uh, descriptions are given, and you can go back and look at those. But what I want to explain today in our time together is this, that through spiritual gifts, the intent of them is that God would be praised, that the spotlight would be on Him, that people's eyes would be toward Him. It's not about putting someone forward or elevating particular individuals. It's about through those gifts, through what God builds in the individuals and their diversity, that He brings it together in the community. And so we are diversified, but yet unified. The church is stronger. The church becomes better. Did you notice how throughout that list it was all about the focus on the Spirit? That this gift is given by the one Spirit. This other gift is given by that same Spirit. It's the Spirit who provides. It's the Spirit who determines. And it is God who does it for His glory and for our good. Now, we are diversified in our individuality. And that is good. It's not sameness that God desires in the church. We are unified, though, around the cross of Jesus. We're unified around the reality of the gospel. And we are intended to give to others what God has given to me. God provides spiritual gifts to my life, but it's not for my benefit. It's for the benefit of the church. God will give me certain gifts that I am supposed to share with you. God will give you certain gifts that He intends for you to share with His people. Common people receiving gifts from God's Spirit for the common good. If you go back and read through the lists of spiritual gifts, you'll notice that almost every one of them are quite useless and inconsequential outside of community go back and read them with that with that framework and that lens in mind you see church members as we share our gifts with one another we forge relationships that are deeper. I see how God provides for my needs at times through you. I see how God will build up and provide for His church what I can't provide, what others in the church can't provide, but what God has specifically designed for the provision in His church through you. So here it is, like the girl with the pencils in the shoebox. She could have taken those pencils. She could have taken them home and stuffed them in her mattress. And every time she used one up, she could pull out a fresh pencil. She herself would have a great pencil every day. But instead, she took what she had been given and she gave it away. You see, that's, that's the idea of re-gifting. I know in our culture, we, we think about re-gifting and often a little bit, eh, it's a little tasteless, right? We don't know if we should or if I do, will somebody know and, and all of that stuff. I, who has ever re-gifted a gift? Uh, wow, you're brave for actually raising your hand. Wow! Yeah, but, but we do that sometimes. Sometimes for good reason, right? It's not always bad. We may we may already have it, or we have an abundance, and so we want to share it with somebody. But sometimes regifting can have sort of a eh, a little tasteless, distasteful connotation. But I, I want to change that idea, at least in this in this context, that regifting is not e- not just you're not just invited to regift your spiritual gift, but it is a requirement. Regifting is required if you are to understand the fullness and the power of God's Spirit in you, and if the church is to grow up and be built up because of what you are allowing the church to, to know through what God has done and is doing in your life. Understanding giftedness and sharing it with the church, re-gifting, is required because for the common good, God gives His gifts to common people like you and me. It's not so much for you to enjoy, but rather for you to employ. It's not mine, but what God wants me to share with others. And when you share your spiritual gifts, in part, in part the church becomes an even greater reflection when everybody is sharing their gifts and employing them in the work of the church. Our church, in part, becomes a greater reflection of the triune God. In verse 4, again, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. When you employ your gifts, you're also demonstrating the presence of God and His desire to guide you and His church. When you employ your gifts into the work of the ministry of this church, you are allowing yourself to be part of forging relationships more concretely together. It's so critical that you link your arms together with others in humility, not in pride, in self-deference, not in self-promotion. That's not the point. The point is to see God at work in us corporately. God has placed you as a gift to His church. Have you thought about that? God has placed you with a purpose as a gift to His church. He's given you gifts that He wants you to re-gift into the church's ministry. You know, I didn't know until many months ago that Herb Drake even knew how to play the organ. Did you know that? I'm surprised at how few people actually knew that. And know that. And how blessed have we been this past year to have Him faithfully playing and helping to support and guide our worship together. Uh, We have many in our church who are so skilled at hospitality and uh, being able to exercise that gift for the the communal communal building of one another. How many Sunday school and Bible study teachers do we have who uh, allow the gift of God to be faithfully administered through them, faithfully, week after week after week? We just uh, praised and celebrated the 43rd year of the Agape class led by Ken Akins, but there are many others. Yeah, there are many others in this church who give of themselves in allowing their gifts to be exercised. What about those who go unnamed and perhaps unknown to the church, but are faithful in praying, faithful in seeking God in faith for His work to be known among us. What about those who give financially yet anonymously to support the ministry of the church because God has gifted them with the ability for generous helps and the ability to engage in the work of God without any recognition. And my goodness, a church will crumble if there aren't many countless and faceless people quietly going about exercising the gifts that God has placed in them for the benefit of the body. It takes everybody. God has placed you here for a purpose. You know, it's not just a random assortment of people. It's not just your choice to say, this will be my fellowship. It really is you praying and you sensing God leading you here. Why does He do that? Because God, I think, He looks down upon each of His churches and the church in general... And he says, this is where this church lacks, and so I want to equip this person for this season so that through this spiritual gift, my church will be strengthened. Now, we're in the process, it's not going to be ready tomorrow, but as a staff, we're in the process of uh, looking into providing some frameworks to help guide more broadly and more specifically anybody who would like help in exploring their spiritual giftedness. And knowing their best fit for ministry. And uh, you can pray with us about that. And uh, we're uh, going to be eager to uh, to roll that out when that's ready. But we're, we're kind of plodding along in it to make sure that uh, we, we offer that. But I don't want you to leave here thinking, well, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, or, or there's no way for me to figure that out. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. You know, the best way to understand your spiritual giftedness, I think, is by asking somebody else in this church who knows you well, and ask them to be honest with you and to say, you know, here, here are some of the gifts expressed in the scriptures. Where do you think, and what do you think God has placed in me right now for this season? I'm not sure that spiritual gifts, the same thing you had when you're 16, is necessarily the same thing you might have now as you're 56 years old. I think God equips us at times, perhaps differently, to fulfill the different needs in His church. Because it's not about Him giving you a gift for you to sit in the corner to enjoy. It's about God gifting us all so that when you re-gift that to the body, we become the strong, vibrant, healthy community, the God-honoring, God-reflecting community that He intends us to be. When we re-gift our spiritual gifts, our love for one another is on display. People's needs are met. Their joys, they get celebrated. Our sorrows are shared. And we become a brighter and more vibrant witness to a world that needs to see God's kingdom at work. God's kingdom at work. Common people receiving gifts from God's Spirit for the common good. Father, we pray today that you would... Guide us in understanding this even more. That we would appreciate the fact that that which you have given me by way of experience or education or um, supernatural gifting, it all can be employed into your kingdom, into this fellowship. God, help me not to hold back. Help us not to reserve ourselves. Help us to pour ourselves out. Because You've poured Yourself out for us. Fill us up and pour us out into service in Your kingdom so that we might be those who love others, not just in word, but indeed also that the employment of my life is the great enjoyment of my life. The employment of my spiritual gifts is what brings me the greatest pleasure in my life. God, help us to walk in this way. Teach us to appreciate and to walk in this diversity yet unity that You call us to, unified around the cross of Jesus and in His good gospel. We pray it in faith and in delight that You would bless Your church with Your gifts. Give us wisdom now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.